Welcome to Shift, a college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable. We have an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can get a free trial of our ACT course by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast will get you 10% off at checkout. Also, if you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, please contact me at tyler.achievable.me with the subject line podcast topic. Now, let's get started. Today, we have Annaline Dinkelman from Teach Me Wall Street and Barbara Leventhal from Score at the Top, and I'd love if you could each just introduce yourselves, maybe starting with Barbara, and then we uh, can get into the episode. Hi, everyone. I'm Barb Leventhal. I'm an independent educational consultant. I work with JRA Educational Consultants in Florida, and I think that what separates me from other consultants is I am that person who uses extracurricular activities to help students be strategic in their planning for their college admission. Fantastic. And Annaline, if you don't mind introducing yourself as well. Hello, everyone. My name is Annaline Dinkelmann, and I'm the owner and founder of Teach Me Wall Street. In case you're wondering about my accent, I'm a New Yorker, but originally from South Africa. I have lived in New York the past 25 years, and I started teaching virtual online summer programs during the pandemic. Pre the pandemic, I had a business called Wall Street Walks, where we actually did in-person events, and I worked with many high school programs in the summers and throughout the year. Yeah, and so that makes the two of you great people to talk to about today's topic, which is business summer programs for high school students, right? And I think the real, with the perspective or the angle here that we are looking to, well, we're always looking to get great experience, right, with these programs. I think that also there is the college application angle, right, and making sure that these programs are going to be things that are boosting your application. So I'd love maybe, I don't know which one of you wants to start, but I think just like if you guys could give an uh, overview of how you think about business programs for high school students and then maybe the common options or the ones that you recommend and what experience and also sort of college application upside you should be looking to get. Okay, I'll take that first. (laughs) So I think that one of the biggest mistakes that families make is they start too late. Very often parents and students think that the time to start the process is in the junior year. And that's actually a misunderstanding. At the end of the junior year, when the student is, now that summer when they're a rising senior, that is when the application process starts. However, the college planning process really should start long before that when the student is in eighth or ninth grade. And that's the time that students can begin to explore their interests. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're early, when it's early on in eighth or ninth grade, they have opportunities over the summer to look at lots of different kinds of things in their area of interest. So if they're interested in business, they have the opportunity to go to some kind of a introductory camp, perhaps at a college, like the one at Drexel University. There's a business boot camp there. There mm-hmm. are other business boot camps at colleges all throughout the nation. So kids who are just starting out or think they have an interest can go to one of those to sort of get an introduction, dip their toes in, 
and see if that's really uh, the right kind of interest for them. And then once they decide that that's, that's their pursuit, that they want to be in business, then the next thing they need to do is start to line up their classes and their activities behind that goal. Great. So students really need to take, if that's their central passion, they need to match that central passion with activities that demonstrate intellectual curiosity, depth, initiative, and impact. Mm-hmm. And and just to follow up on that quickly, can you define intellectual curiosity for me? I know that it you know it's a coin that Stanford termed a while back that you guys are probably very familiar with. But I'm curious if just for the rest of the audience, if you could like, how would you summarize that to a student? What intellectual curiosity means? So the way I would summarize it is, I believe that the business of college is academic. Mm-hmm. So it's any any particular interest that a student has that could possibly translate into a potential major or a future career. Mm-hmm. Got it. And and also, I think being proactive, right? <laughs> like being interested enough in it that you're doing things on your own as opposed to just kind of waiting to get to school to, to dig in. I think that's also uh, something I like to think about too. Um, well, great. And then Annaline, do you have anything that you want to add as far as, as what, what, uh, Barbara just said? No, but I can, I have learned a lot from Barbara over the past two years because mm-hmm. in the pandemic, I started teaching the online classes. I taught people about Wall Street. And to be honest, the college application process for me is a little in the gray area. It used to be mm-hmm. because I went to university in a different school system. I took the programs that I taught about Wall Street and the stock market and how it works online. And after the programs, I received many questions from parents, making me realize they are looking for a little bit more than just teaching their students or their children about Wall Street. They were actually using my classes. Several kids had stock market programs that I spoke to when they started the stock market programs. And I really understood the importance of extracurricular programs like the one mm. I have in the college application process. Yeah. So with extracurricular programs and, and summer programs, like how do you, what are some ones that you both recommend as far as great, like both just great national programs that are, have a good reputation or like things to look out for, right? Like I think that, I mean, when I was in high school, I had internships in at businesses where I was kind of doing some grunt work and it wasn't particularly, uh, it wasn't exactly like a resume booster for the college admissions process, right? So how do you find that kind of work and set yourself up for it? So I think that one of the things is that for students who are younger, talking about internships or colleges where they might land is premature. That Mm -hmm. where you really want to begin the conversation is about opportunities that new technology brings about. So, for example, let's imagine the story of a biotech startup. We'll call that ChemCorp and pretend Mm -hmm. that I'm the CEO who has to persuade you, some Wall Street bankers, to invest in my company. Mm -hmm. What I could go through a lot of charts and graphs, but what really is going to make the difference is being able to tell a good story. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what our students, that is the skill that our students need to learn 
just as businesses learn that persuasion is the centerpiece of business activity and that a business that tells an engaging story and can unite it with an idea and an emotion is a business that's going to sell. In the same way for our students, our students need to be able to have self-awareness, know what their strengths are and their limitations, be intentional about those, and then really be able to sell it by creating a story that they'll share through the application. And I think that one of the changes that we've seen is that in the past, Wall Street was only there for business majors. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that has really changed with storytelling as a fundamental business school is that people who have creativity and imagination to use stories that explain new technology will find jobs on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Today, Wall Street's become major agnostic, meaning that they're open to students from diverse educational backgrounds. So whether they're in graphic arts or art history or English or history or journalism, all of those can be good. Right. Yeah. And I think it, it really is kind of like you said, I love that line that uh, persuasion is at the center of, of all business. And that's really true, right? Like marketing and sales are basically both persuasion arts, right? Yeah. Right. In New York, I must just say that the city is actually doing a great job in creating opportunities for high school students. I've had mm -hmm. over the past 10 years, in several years, interns that was actually paid by New York City, and they came to work in my company in the summer. And they were really great. I learned a lot from them, and they did a lot of value-add work for me. So mm -hmm. they went on, some of them, to do other things in other years, and I became their reference. So both for the students and for the employer, providing internships, it's a great opportunity. Yeah. And I also, I, I didn't know that New York City, like, would basically do the paying part of the paid internships for you. That's really interesting. So for Is that something? Yep. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask if that's in other states, too. Or I cannot not. speak for other states, but mm -hmm. in New York, from the business, it was great because I get help and I didn't have to write a check for the help. And their right. program were actually preparing the students to go to workplaces. So the students were great that I had. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great program. And Barbara, do you do you know if that's something that other states offer or is that, you know, a New York state thing? I really don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good thing to look up. Definitely look up if there's like internship programs really of all kinds, but a state sponsored one is probably a great place to start because they'll help you get connected with the internship itself, which is probably one of the harder parts. I think that one of the important things for students and parents to realize is that companies, big financial companies, places like BlackRock, that they have a global mindset. And because of that, they're looking for people from all different backgrounds who can add value to a team in a global country, company. So, for example, a kid who can speak more than one language. You know, if you can be on that team, on the sales team, and you have someone who can speak the language of the customer, that's right. drastically going to increase engagement. Yeah, and it's also it's useful if you have offices in another country and you need someone to be a liaison. So I think that there's going to be, at this point, FinTech is a new degree. It's been mm -hmm. around 
probably only four years now. Would you say that's about right online? Yep. It has been around, but people have been using sort of technology on the bleeding edge, but now they're formalizing a lot more of the education and training around that. So with all, there are so many new opportunities between fintech and lots of other technologies that are going to be generated as spin-offs. You know, some of the young attorneys will end up with lots of work with regulatory and compliance issues, risk management issues, um, more work with mergers and acquisitions. So really, uh, you can help a kid who's interested strictly in business, but it doesn't have to be that way. They could have majored in anything, see a great opportunity on Wall Street, and they're not disqualified. They can still pursue that. Right. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious too. I mean, definitely is uh, I think sort of a, a Wall Street leaning to this conversation. I remember Barbara that you were saying in our prep that you had some organizations that you thought would be good to recommend. Do you ha- want to name those uh, at this time? Well, one of the things that I was going to say is that blockchain is one of those technologies that's changing the finance world. And I know that Annaline will be able to do a great job explaining it to you. So I'll just say, I'll, I'll leave the explanation to her, but in answer to your question, because blockchain is so new, universities don't really have the faculty in place to teach blockchain. So yeah. I'd say the six best places to learn blockchain right now are those public online courses like Udemy, Coursera, Blockchain 101, LinkedIn Learning, uh, plural site, eat the block. Those are all, you know, public courses that students of any age can take and earn a certificate in. And maybe, uh, Annaline, do you want to talk a little bit about blockchain and the opportunities that are being created? Yeah. So many people often confuse blockchain with Bitcoin and the bankruptcy filing of FTX over the past month really shone the light on the negative aspects of some of the new technologies in the crypto electronic money um, space. But when Bitcoin and many other coins could perhaps go down a lot more, but the technology of blockchain will remain. And Mm -hmm. Chase, I was actually surprised. Their CEO was interviewed recently on Bloomberg and he spoke about blockchain. He has been one of the fiercest critics of Bitcoin and all of the new technology, but yet he spoke of the value of blockchain and how that they are actually implementing that. Yeah, I actually just through my own sort of hobbyism, uh, know a good bit about, well, I don't know. I don't know if I would say it's a good bit, but I know a little bit about blockchain and blockchain as a, as a functionality, you know, is the underlying premise behind Bitcoin. But as you said, it's not Bitcoin by itself or Ethereum by itself. It's just the idea of essentially public ledger and public transactions, which I think are really interesting. And I think, honestly, the um, the FTX thing is almost, to me, more that it was just unregulated and there were no really like they it's they literally ran uh, their company off of QuickBooks and they just like had they had no internal delineation between customer funds and investment funds and all these things that are like not even there it's not even just that like banks have rules around this for good reason it's that like this is the basics of just like having an accounting department so that that to me is just like they had really really bad governance but i don't think it to me 
I separate the opportunity of blockchain from the failures of a couple companies that you know were irresponsible because they were unregulated. Yeah, the technology of blockchain is fantastic. Many people mm-hmm. don't often think about the underlying technology of the internet. And I've mm-hmm. read articles that they want to add blockchain as one of the base layers in the functionality mm-hmm. of the internet because that will drastically improve security. So Right. Security and um, like visibility, right? Because everything's public. That is correct. I think it's correct. actually a net good thing in the long term. Yeah. So and then, I think that oh, go, ahead, go ahead, Barbara. Blockchain technology is one of the most in-demand employment skills in the world today, which makes it absolutely perfect to include in high school education programs. And there are companies like SimbaChain that are already taking part with school districts in the Midwest to certify students in blockchain technology so that students can graduate with employment skills that will net them between $85,000 and one hundred and ten. dollars in entry-level positions. So the high schools are partnering partnering with Simba and with other companies to sponsor research initiatives. And the students have started blockchain clubs and all all things blockchain, sort of centered around the courses that the beginning take, which have great implications for their future. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I, I really like your, your point of view on if, if you're in high school and you're looking on getting into a field, right? And in this case, we're talking about the business world and the finance world. You shouldn't necessarily, I mean, if your goal is to, you know, work, be a compliance officer at a big bank, then, you know, God bless you. But I, I think that it's often a lot more exciting and also a lot more of sort of a draw from like a university admissions perspective for you to be really interested in the cutting edge technologies and and developments in that field and then centering what you're doing in your uh, internships or your extracurriculars around that I think is a really smart insight. Yeah, so let's, let's talk then about how to find the right program for you for your interest, right? So you know, within finance, there's there's a few different sort of avenues, right? There's kind of the stock market avenue, there's the research and analysis avenue, there's the investment banking or hedge fund or M&A, there's private equity, um, there's even just straight up trading. There's, you know, if, if you're in Texas, maybe you're looking at oil and gas. So there's, a finance actually has, you know, as many sort of variations as you could really drill down into and look at, right? There's fintech also, as Barbara mentioned earlier. So where do you, let's say you've kind of picked one of these, where do you find good programs or good companies to apply to in your area? Like what's the process for that? Well, Tyler, I have a company that actually run these summer programs for students and Mm -hmm. I don't want to promote my programs at all, I realize, but at the same time, it <laughs> I mean, you answers can definitely your question. talk about it. Yeah. It um, answers the question. I have a program called Wall Street 101, and it speaks about all the different players on Wall Street. And one day we talk about investment banking and mergers and acquisitions. We talk about trading. We talk about all the scandals, the regulation, and all the lawyer jobs that are on Wall Street. So it's a very well-rounded program to introduce students to all things Wall Street. Right. And I think that's great. And honestly, it's 
I, I feel like there's probably also even like other people like you that are making deep dive programs on a specific topic too, right? Like I bet you there's got to be one for investment banking, for instance. Yeah. So I have a different program that I didn't just teach about fintech technologies and one about trading. But mm -hmm. the investment banking, what I learned in my years on Wall Street is they hire people with a diverse set of skills so that you can do a much better project and provide a much better service to your clients, that you don't mm. just have people with like banking skills. You need the other parts of the um, society as well, and, like other study areas. Yeah. And Barbara, do you have any thoughts? Oh, go ahead. I do. On my end, I think that if parents or students are listening, the question they probably want to know is, how do you build your students' credentials? Right. And I would say that the first thing is to really think outside the box. When I sit down with a student, I start by having them um, come up with a list of goals. And then from there, I start working on summer activities. And once I get that, because summer really affords the most opportunity for students to kind of get a leg up on whatever it is they're interested in. So whether they go to um, an organized pre-college summer program at a college, whether they take a course um, at a community college near their home, whether they find an internship, maybe working with a family friend uh, or something in the community, if they get a job, or another way that students can build their credentials is through student research initiatives, which has become a very popular and a very good way to build those credentials. So once you put together the summer courses, you know, the way I do it is I kind of look at all four summers at once if I'm working with an underclassman and mm -hmm. I look at where are the entry level skills and then what can I build on the next summer that's going to be a little more sophisticated and then by the time they're a rising junior, they can take a course for college credit or do an actual internship. And so each, each summer should build on the next so that when the resume is finished, the student has depth in a particular interest. And you can see the depth because for all four summers, they've done something related to that particular interest. In this case, if it's something in the business realm. And then what I do is I design a year-round plan, starting with the summer and adding on the courses at school, in colleges in the area. A lot of schools have the give kids the opportunity to do dual enrollment at colleges. Um, and there are other kinds of outside courses. So that's a good way to kind of bring it all together. Mm -hmm. And there are yeah. companies today that, that offer research opportunities. And some of these research, research that the students have done has been really sophisticated. They can work with a mentor from an excellent college like Yale or Stanford or some of Harvard. Um, so they have opportunities to work with mentors. And whether it's a program that they pay to belong to and be in a cohort where they're guided through the process, or whether they set up their own research project, perhaps with the help of a teacher or a parent, doing research is a wonderful way to build credentials. Mm -hmm. And whether they lead to publication or not, there's still a great indicator of that intellectual curiosity that we talked about earlier, and certainly of initiative and impact. Right. Exactly. And I think particularly in the business context, 
impact really means that your internship, you like, you got stuff done that actually was moving the business forward. Right. Like, I mean, me well, kind I, of, in, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I'd say that initiative is that moving things forward. Impact mm-hmm. is the level of recognition in the college world. That impact is the, so what factor, you know, so you had the opportunity to take a course on Wall Street. What did you do with that opportunity? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the initiative. That, that's the part, the impact that really matters. What level are, you know, what level of recognition are you attaining? Because in truth, it's, I think that ma- many parents misunderstand. It's not about filling up the common app with a series of 10 activities. The colleges aren't interested in the activities per se. They're interested in the student's achievement within the activity. Mm -hmm. So they're looking to see accomplishments. They're looking to see kids who've engaged in something in the community over a period of time. They're looking for kids who take on leadership roles, whether they're formal roles or, you know, informal, you know, taking a role within a committee. And I think that those things are really important in building credentials because that's what the colleges are looking for. They're looking for kids who can get on campus, get involved in something, and really run with it. Because as much as we'd all like to think that colleges are picking their freshman class, in truth, that freshman class, that's a class of their future alumni. And they want to have kids who are bright, and have got something going on, and perhaps in the future we'll be able to bring, you know, riches and fame and fortune to the university. And if not that, then certainly kids who will be successful in their own way. Right. And I think that's such an important perspective to have if you're a parent or student navigating this process is, you know, at the end of the day, try to put yourself in their shoes and think about what they're looking for, right? And, you know, they would much rather see that you did something, you know, for like a small organization that they've never heard of that had a really big impact. And maybe you like, you were, you volunteered for a nonprofit on their marketing team and you doubled their donations in a month. Right. And that allowed them to do a lot more. That's, I think personally, I mean, and you can contradict me uh, if this is wrong, but I think that's a lot more interesting than just, Oh, I was, you know, I worked at bank of America for a summer kind of doing like paperwork. Exactly. So it, it, it's not the activity itself. It's what the student did within the activity that really matters. And for, for some kids, you know, they can get financial literacy through games. There's lots of games that kids can play on the internet that speak to that kind of financial literacy. There's games right. that are called like Hit the Road, which is a financial adventure. It sets mm. the kids on a course from, I think it was from the East Coast to Colorado. And they, you know, come across various obstacles. And their job is to get across country, stopping by some of the nation's most memorable landmarks, and then having enough money to pay for food, gas, and any obstacles that arise. So that's, right. that's kind of a fun adventure that kids can do online. No real cost to that. There's other ones. There's one, um, it's called financial football. And mm-hmm. Visa offers this initiative 
Um, it's an interactive game to teach students about budgeting, saving, and spending and using credit wisely. There's an Uber game, which is really, I played it myself, which is really a lot of fun. It was created by the Financial Times. And this interactive game allows students to explore the dynamics of a gig economy. Mm. You know, I bet you remember the board game called The Game of Life. Right, yes. Yeah, so now there's an online game of life that helps students see the correlation between their goals and finances. And the kids are faced with scenarios and they have to make choices and see how those choices um, affect their financial stability. So all of those things can be lots of fun and they're great ways for kids at any um, any age without a big budget. It's something that's online. The games are free uh, mm. to gain financial literacy. Yeah, and on top of that, I would add two things. One of them is another game that I actually use just for my own kind of fun and I guess just like practice uh, called Investor. It's like missing an O. So it's I... I-N-V-E-S-T-R. And it's an app that basically you just get like a million dollars in funny money and you can invest it in stocks. And then it actually follows like the real stock market. So it's, you know, if I had a million dollars today, I can, you know, grow it 20% by the end of the year or whatever. Like it's easy to say that, but actually going through the motion of, of investing in that way will help you a lot because you, as a part of that, yeah, sure, like maybe you're going to throw money at Tesla or GameStop because you've heard of it, but more likely if you actually want to start getting good at this, you'll start to dig into, you know, the quarterly statements and other things, and that's really where you start to learn more about how this all works, right? Um, and then the follow-up also uh, that I had to that was, um, well, I mentioned a game, and then the other... Th- uh, the other thing that I think is a good free resource is just kind of most video games in general. And when I, when I say that, I mean like I played games like uh, Sim City as a kid, which is like you built a city and you gotta you know manage a budget and keep everybody happy and make sure there's enough people there to work and make sure there's enough businesses for them to work at. And it's like all little like little things like that. I think have really um, been a lot of my education because I'm a nerdy. I was a nerdy kid. I'm a nerdy adult. Um, but I, I do think that there's, there's a lot of value in just, um, making these things like getting familiar with these things. And even, I mean, just to add another one, you could subscribe to like morning brew or the wall street journal or the economist and just starting to get, start to digest the information and the way the information is presented so that you can start to, you know, basically get the context of the industry and get the context of also just like kind of the way that the American business world works. I think that the, the, I think that you brought up some excellent points, which are of course that reading financial news on a daily basis is perhaps a really good idea for kids who are interested in finance particularly since any of the colleges who do interviews generally ask the kids about what they read. So, you know, a kid who's read the Wall Street Journal on a, on a fairly frequent basis is in good shape. A kid who reads a daily newspaper, um, those are always great preparation. The secret to doing well in college is to read, read, read. 
And I think that, you know, you touched on something earlier that I just want to go back to. We talked about impact and the level of recognition. Mm-hmm. So when you're, if you're that level student who is ready to take on a big challenge, there are national competitions, things like the H&R Block budget, budgeting, the H&R Block budgeting competition. There's a tongue mm-hmm. twister. Um, so yeah. that's something that students <laughs> can engage in. And when you finish, you know, now you have a basis of a comparison. Where did you rank compared to all the other stu- schools or students nationally who took the same challenge? And there are a number of uh, financial challenges like that where students compete and then they get ranked either statewide or nationally or internationally. And that's the kind of impact that the colleges are looking for. Right. So, for example, there are already blockchain challenges. There's one called the Blockchain Innovation Challenge. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's numerous, numerous, there's an international blockchain Olympiad. So just like the Science Olympiad or the Math Olympiad. And these have been around roughly four years now. So right. it, it is new, but it's being done. So kids who are really interested in getting into some of those really highly competitive schools really need to get in there and start to search out competitions that they think they can win. Right, or at the very least that they're interested in. Because even if you don't win, if the participation is something that you can write about, or even just, you know, by participating or showing you're pretty dedicated and interested, I think that even will be in a resume booster as well. I think you're right. Great. Well, and uh, Annaline, I, I see you have a thought here. No, I was just going to support Barbara in her comments to about all these international programs, because I -hmm. have been a judge at some of those programs. Um, Mm. In New York, we have that as big. It's called the Virtual Enterprise. So they have people in the industry that are the judges of the competition of the kids that culminate the competition in New York every year. Uh, Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. And I I also, I, I got lucky. This was a college course, and it was a senior year college course at my school. I went to Carnegie Mellon for business. Um, and they had something called the management game where literally like they, they had their own proprietary software program and you got to set like price and margin and quality of goods and all these other things for, you were all making watches, right? Or it changed every year, but basically you're all making a widget. Um, and you had, there was a board of local business leaders that you had to meet to and get approval on your plans from. Um, and then you had to you know, put, put basically your variables into the, into the game system. And then the game would tell you how well you did. So it was a really, it was a really fun experience and pretty much anything that's even remotely close to that at the high school level, I think would be super valuable. Yeah. No, the virtual enterprise program was fantastic because it organized students in real businesses and they had real, almost like a family fight at times because one had to be HR, one was the CEO wondered the website they got real life experience in their program and the results that they produced was fantastic that's great well as we wrap this topic up anything else you want to share about you know just building your credentials and resume for college and and giving it that business angle right 
I think it's a great time for students because there are so many opportunities now, both virtual as well as in person, that they have mm -hmm. access to that I don't think pre-pandemic they had. So choose and use your summers and enjoy high school. Mm -hmm. And Barbara, any final thoughts from you? I think Emmeline really summed it up well, but the other thing that I would say is that Every student should focus on the soft skills, the critical thinking skills. Those are the things that really will make a difference over a lifetime. Right. And on the soft skills, you saying that reminded me, really everybody should read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, at least once. And even if you don't agree with everything in it, I think it's just a super valuable book. <laughs> yes, I agree. I read that book a long time ago. And I sometimes I want to reread it. It was a mm -hmm. wonderful book. Great. I think it would be a great idea to have a Dale Carnegie course for kids. Oh yeah, that would actually be fun. That's that could be your next program, Annaline. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, my neighbor taught that, and he has mentored some high school students because he worked at Dale Carnegie. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks, everyone. This has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable, with Annaline Dinkelman from Teach Me Wall Street, and Barbara Leventhal from Score at the Top. And you can get a free trial of Achievable's ACT course for free by visiting achievable.me. And be sure to use the code podcast if you like it, because you'll get 10% off.